Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and I have with me again for the second time this season. Probably, I've had you guys on before, though, I think, before this season, so it's not the first time they've ever been guests on my particular program, but I have with me again Jameson Stewart and Drew Suttles. Now, Drew, I'd mentioned, and I've got something for Jameson as well, I mentioned that your wife loves to do home improvement type projects, different decorations and things. Why don't you... Pick your favorite one that she did and kind of talk about it real quick, and then we'll go to Jameson. Yeah, okay. Well, when we uh, we just sold our house not too long ago, and she, man, she went room to room, and it kind of all started with just Instagram and Pinterest, and she was just seeing this, and she came up to him one day. She was like, you see this? It's like, yeah. She said, I can do that. Like, okay. She's like, it's really not that hard. So anyway, went and got her some tools at Home Depot and all this and that. Next thing you know, she re- literally starts recreating all these things she's seeing and uh, just kind of had this talent this whole time. But my favorite one that she did was in our kitchen, and she took uh, like some kind of plaster, and she had masking tape, and I mean just very basic stuff, and turned it into where it looked like a brick wall. And everybody that came in thought that it was a whitewashed brick wall, and really it was just tape. And when she took all the tape off, it made it look like bricks. And the whole kitchen looked like that, and it was just, man, it was really awesome. But that was probably my favorite one just because that was one of the first ones she did. But, yeah, that's something that that she loves to do, and I told her in the future that may be uh, a ministry in in a way. Um, You know, she could go over to people's homes and help them redecorate and and gives her an opportunity to get into other people's homes. And she's done that with several of our members, and I think that's a a wonderful tool and uh, great talent that she has. Yeah, well, I think about it. Most times when you try to get in other people's homes, that you have to break in. So that would be a great, great thing for her to be able to do. And she's welcome to come over to our apartment anytime and help us with our decorating because uh, I'm not very skilled in that department, and my wife would love to do that more, but I think she needs a brain that thinks like hers to help because she'll say something to me, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and so, and I'm a pretty visual guy in my, my head. I can visualize things, but she'll say something. And I'm like, why can't we just hang like Marvel posters all over the apartment? What's, what's wrong with that? <laughs> um, you know, or, you know, a bunch of Dodgers world series champs, 20, never mind. Um, Jameson, Jameson is here. Um, and you, we alluded to your centered for Christ, right? That's what it, it is called. Centered yeah, for Christ. Centered on Christ. Centered on Christ. Okay. I'm so sorry. We'll post post that in the show notes. Talk a little bit more about how that got started. And we did announce last night on our live stream for the Did That Really Happen on Digital Bible Study uh, that that is becoming a part of the Scattered Abroad Network. We're working out all the details on that now to make it to where it, it still meets what you're trying to do, but we can also have hopefully more people get to see it. Talk about how that got started and, and kind of what your plan is moving forward with it. Uh, I mean, it just got started. I think I started it the beginning of October 2021. And it was just a way it was still, COVID was still, I think we were just going into it. I think that winter was fairly rough as far as cases go. And, you know, I was fairly new to the congregation here at West Hobbs Street. And I was like, you know, what can I, what can I do to maybe, you know, kind of teach people a little bit, you know, what, what can I do to really get in front of people a little bit more? And, you know, I've always enjoyed writing. So 
I just started writing those articles, you know, five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, and, you know, they go to whoever subscribed, they just go to the email. And I've been doing it every week since then. And, you know, people seem to enjoy them. And, you know, I just, usually I'll just write maybe whatever I'm reading. Um, if I get some idea from something I've watched or something, you know, I've listened to, that tends to become the next article. Um, as far as where to go from here, I mean, I'm just, uh, did some recording back over the summer, um, taking the, the article script themselves and turn them into videos. They're going to be a podcast episode. It's, you know, it's, it's old articles I've written, but I was like, you know, just take them and turn them into videos and audio that way too. Um, because some people listen to a podcast, some people read articles, some people watch videos. So just a way to reach people and encourage people. I try to get people to think a little bit. Um, I don't try to be controversial. Sometimes they turn out that way, but I don't do it intentionally. Um, you know, that's just the way it goes. Uh, sometimes when you're studying the Bible, you have no hope but to not be controversial. Uh, I think we could all remember that day in school where Jephthah's vow was covered. Um, and so, uh, That's a fun you know, day. If, if Philip Tomlin is listening to this, um, <laughs> what was it? It was Philip and it was another guy that, that they, they yeah, were, Brother, Brother Gant, they Gant. were having a lot of fun with it. I know oh, Philip yeah. was. Oh, yeah. Philip's probably just pushing the envelope for fun, but there, that was a day in class. And it was, I'll never forget Brother Liddell saying, he kept his vow. <laughs> just, that's all he'd say. <laughs> he would not elaborate anything more than that. He just he kept his vow and he'd move on. Um, so yeah, that that's just kind of comes with the territory. Uh, I'm glad you guys are back on for another episode. We're gonna do this a little different. I'm gonna try a new format. I'm gonna ask Jameson my first question, Drew my second, and I'll give you both the opportunity to answer the third. Um, so let's start with the first question. We're talking about successes, far better than focusing on success. Now, is personal success something that the Christian can have? Well, if it's not, then, you know, we might as well just go sit at home and yeah. not do anything, you know. I think the Thessalonians were doing something like that in First Thessalonians 4. Different reasons, but, sure. you know, they were sitting around waiting on the Lord to come back. They misunderstood that. Um, personal success... Uh, in a previous episode, um, a few episodes back, we talked about sports. Right. You know, personal success in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, and in fact, personal success, I guess you could think about it as just a job well done. I mean, whatever you're doing, um, it's your job, maybe some hobby you have, maybe a sport, whatever the case is, it's you did your job well and the results were good. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, I think... Just like we talked about a few episodes back with sports, with personal success, we can become so, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? We can become so addicted to it that, you know, you know, personal success, you know, striving to reach something like that's all, that's all we care about anymore. Um, it can become an addiction. It can become something that consumes our life completely you know, maybe it's with our job and it's maybe reaching some, you know, position within a company. I mean, that's personal success, but we can become so consumed with that job or with attaining that position that that's all our life is about anymore. And that is not good. That's not healthy. Um, that's when our life becomes, you know, our priorities get messed up, our, our lack of, we lack balance in our lives. Um, so, 
personal success in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. But like anything else, we have to keep it in the proper perspective. Absolutely. Well, it's always funny to me. Uh, we talk about success being almost sinful in our society. Culturally, yeah. in our country, success is deemed to be wrong. Yeah. If you are in the top certain percent, yeah. uh, you're what's wrong with our country or what's wrong with the world. Uh, the Bible speaks a lot about being successful, even financially. Uh, yeah. The virtuous woman was a woman who had financial success in Proverbs yeah. 31. She had made clothing that was being sold. Uh, she went out by herself to consider a field and purchase it. Uh, so she was in the, the land-owning business as well as a clothing business that she had on the side and was considered to be quite successful in both of those categories. If that's wrong then she can't be a virtuous woman. The whole point of a virtuous woman is these are virtues that we would be well trying to imitate as as women would be concerned. The same with men. There are many men who are very successful in scriptural times. I mean, the kings alone, David and Solomon, would have been some of the wealthiest people. I mean, Solomon, we know, was one of the most wealthy kings that ever lived because he was not only given wisdom, but he was also given great power and financial gain as well. So success is not considered to be a horrible thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, and that comes from God. Not all success is created equal. Uh, some success is gotten about in a sinful manner. And yeah. so for sure, those those things would definitely not be the success that God sees it. But I think sometimes we we look at success in the wrong way. Yeah. And we, we think of it as, uh, I can be successful, but not too successful. Yeah. That's that's almost too much at that point. Well, and, <clears throat> it, you know, and I don't want to step on any further questions I guess we may have. I don't think this does, but, you know, in Proverbs, you know, think about Solomon. I, I did some research on the income he had coming in, and if you put it into days, dollars, Solomon had a an annual income coming in from taxes, from trade routes. That was something like uh, uh, one and a half or two billion dollars a year. Wow. Solomon was, if Solomon was alive today and he had his wealth in today's dollars, Solomon was a multi-billionaire. Um, and Solomon writes several times, though, about having the, how, how the Lord sees those who uses unjust weights, mm -hmm. basically being dishonest in business. So like you were saying, uh, success and inherently, there's nothing wrong with it. But how do we, how do we achieve? I guess what we view as success. If success is, you know, you know, maybe it's making more money. It's like, okay, well, how did you make more money? Was it unethical? Was it dishonest? Well, then that, while the world may or may not see that as a success, God would say, you know, if this is uh, gain that you got unjustly, then this is not successful. You know, this is something that's wrong, that's not right. So, yeah, uh, success in and of itself is not wrong, but how we go about it is yeah. a whole other story. All right, so, Drew, here we go with question two. You ready? All right, should our successes ever come before or above God? Well, in short, no. I believe our successes are to... <laughs> our successes, you know, behind our motivation for why we do that is recognizing that all the abilities that we have and the opportunities that we have, it's because God gave them to us. And I think you've already mentioned James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so everything that we have, whether we're talking about financial you know, status or 
talents, abilities, whatever, it comes from God. And so we have an expectation to use whatever he's given us to his glory. And I believe that's the whole emphasis behind Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You know, you, you're the light of the world, but don't do it to, you know, reflect your own light or shine your own light, but rather reflect the light of Christ to the glory of God. And so I think about John the Immerser, and he may be the best example, you know, that we can think about in the New Testament. People came to him, and, and he had a following. He was successful. You know, he, he could have said, hey, I'm, I'm the cousin of Jesus. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm older. I've, I've got a following. People are coming to me. But when they came to him and said, you are, the, are you the Christ? And not only did he say no, but he emphasized, listen, the one who's coming, I, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and put his, you know, put a shoe on. And John 3.30, I believe, is, the, is, a, is, a, is an anthem for a true servant of God. He must increase and I must decrease. That needs to be my, my mentality and my motivation behind success. So I'm not doing this for me and to make a name for myself, but rather to glorify his name. Uh, and so I want to jump on this too. Jameson just mentioned it. If you think about kind of using that financial status, because, I mean, let's face it, that's how the world measures success. How are you using that? How are you using that as an ability? First Timothy chapter 6, 17 and 18, I believe nails it. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. That's how you can use the talents and abilities that God has given you to His glory and not your own. Yeah. I'm reminded of Luke 12, 16 uh, and following, where Jesus talks about this parable of a, a certain rich man had ground that yielded plenty uh, a, a very good harvest. And he thought within himself, well, what will I do? I have no more room to store crops. Sometimes I think, uh, I know I, I get to this mode because I do a lot of stuff at the school with technology and different things and have have a bunch of technology that is on hand if I need it. And I've run out of room in some cases for certain things. And so there's sometimes I look around and think, where am I going to put that? And that was kind of his question too, was what, what, what will I do? I have no more room. But he went a little too far with this. There's nothing wrong with having no more room. Jesus didn't say his sin was that uh, he he didn't say the sin was in that he had no more room. The sin was what he did after he realized I've got nowhere to put this. All right, well, I'm going to tear down my barns and I'll build greater barns. I'm going to store all my crops and goods and I'll say to my soul, here's where he made the mistake. You have many goods laid up for many years. Relax. Just take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said, you fool. You're going to die tonight. You're dying tonight. And who will those things be that you've provided? If I died driving home from this summer series tonight, if I died tomorrow morning heading home, who's going to take all my stuff? My wife will not know what to do with most of it because she's just not as technologically inclined like I am. So what will probably happen is the stuff that does not belong to the school would be taken and sold or given to other people and, and distributed. And it won't be mine anymore. And what does it matter if I have this great successful life if all I have to show for it at the end is nothing? And that's what Jesus is trying to stress to these people because he ends this parable by saying, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. If we wanted to put that in the MJV or the MCV, the Michael Clark version, I would put it this way. 
So is he who focuses on his success in life financially more than his success and richness towards God. That's what it seems to be conveying is let's let's stop and take a moment because Jesus, there's never a part where Jesus says it's a sin for you to be successful. It's a sin. You said John the Immerser had a great following. It wouldn't have been sinful if John had a great following and he was preparing the way for Jesus. Then you could argue Jesus was understanding that he was preparing the way and for him to be successful, if that's a sin, then the person who prepared the way for Jesus was in sin. What would that say about the one that was having the way prepared for then? Jesus would have not had a very good standing starting out. So if we're not careful, we're going to, like we said at the very beginning with what Jameson was talking about, we're going to go way too far with this. But I think what helps us is the what I'm going to call the free-for-all question. Y'all, y'all both get a chance to, to answer this if you like. What is the greatest success that we could ever have? You know, if you look at a restaurant, it's judged based on how well it does financially. If you look at sports, like we talked about a few episodes back, uh, a quarterback is deemed successful based on his QBR and his touchdown-interception ratio. And there are even times where the yardage that he has, a quarterback may have 42 touchdowns and only four interceptions, but he only has 2,000 yards passing because they've got this great running game that gets him down, and then he just throws easy touchdowns. A lot of people will say, well, yeah, he didn't throw that many yards. He had great touchdowns. He had great touchdown-interception ratio. His quarterback rating was great, but he didn't throw that much. Of course he's going to have that. You see that a lot in college, especially in the SEC or other teams where they play those bad teams. You'll see great games where the stat line might be for Bryce Young this upcoming year when they play New Mexico State Technology School for the Blind. Um, He might have 192 passing yards and seven touchdowns. And he might have 17 of 17, and they pull him after the first drive. You know, I mean, that could be an easy stat line for him to have. But we judge success as a Christian way differently. So what is the greatest success that we could ever have? Well, and I'm reminded of what Jesus said, um, I guess, in Luke chapter 9, I guess also in uh, Matthew chapter 16, I believe, if I'm remembering right. He talks about, you know, what, what, basically, what's the point? You know, if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul, what's, you know, what have you really gained? Because like you said, you know, when this life is over, all the ways that the world judges or deems, I suppose, success, whether it be, you know, income level, you know, wealth that's been accumulated, maybe your job, you know, the position at some company, Maybe it's education level, you know, how many degrees do you have, whatever the case is. All those things when you're dead, you know, what's the point of that? You know, it's, they're gone. I mean, you you can't take any of that with you. And so what we do have is our, our soul. And Jesus says, I guess, thinking about success, that is the, you know, that is the priority. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is should be put behind the importance of our soul and being in right standing before God. Um, Because if not, then we've gotten our priorities out of order and we're actually investing our time and our efforts into things that aren't really in the grand scheme of things that important if we've forgotten about our soul. Yeah. Drew, you got anything there? Yeah, I want to echo that. Uh, Thinking about the soul, think about Gaius and 3 John. And verse 2, he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, 
just as your soul prospers. And, and what I gather from that is your soul's prosperity is far greater and far more important than your physical prosperity. And I believe that is illustrated in Luke 16, 19 to 31, rich man and Lazarus. The rich man fared sumptuously in purple and he had it all. And then here's Lazarus and he's just begging for crumbs. But then you see when they die, I mean, who was truly successful in the final analysis? To the world, they would say, well, it was the rich man. Look at all that he had and all they obtained. But we know, spiritually speaking, who was successful was the one who was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the Bible just simply says the rich man died and was buried. And it's like, wow, that's so, I want to say sudden, but it's almost like, is there is there nothing else? I mean, wasn't this a great man and all that he had? But in the end, that's it. You know, that's all you've got. So true success is, and we say this to our young people, but we need to remember as we grow up, true success is living your life and going to heaven. You know, it's hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. If I don't hear that, it doesn't matter how successful I've been from a worldly perspective. But on the flip side, I can have, you know, a dime to my name. But if I hear my Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant, then I've been successful. And so that can help, hopefully, with our perspective that that's what I need to be shooting for. Yeah, I think it's it's so important to stress it from a preaching perspective as we're bringing this episode to a close. Uh, I often tell people when I go and talk about the school, some have suggested over the years that, what if he only converts one person? Was he successful? The likelihood of a man that preaches, let's just say conservatively, he preaches 40 years, um, and he his health may fail him at that point and he can't preach anymore. The chances that he only reaches one person is, first of all, very, very slim. He'll probably reach way more than that. Second of all, with technology alone today, I watched sermons just within the last month by Curtis Cates and Garland Elkins. They've been gone for several years now. We were in the class when Brother Elkins passed away. And even we know Brother Don Walker very well, one of our instructors. He passed on to his reward. I can still go and listen to sermons. In fact, I've got one sitting on my computer here that I'm working on trying to find a way to put that into the network in some way and even through some of our school promotions. His impact is still far-reaching, even though he's been gone for several years. And with the men who have gone on before, with their written works, we're sitting in an office of Jameson, the preacher here at West Hobbs. I'm looking around at book after book that is written by an individual, and I would say conservatively, a good majority of the books that you have in certain cases, those people are long gone. Uh, and in fact, some of your periodicals, I would say that'd be even more true, like the spiritual swords over there that you have. A lot of those writers might have gone on to their reward. Were they successful? Yeah. If if they preached the truth and they lived for God, then they were successful. And I think we've got to get away from the sports success mentality in the church. The numbers have to bear out. Uh, elders sometimes are guilty members are guilty of looking and saying, well, our contribution wasn't that great. We didn't have a good week. And maybe elders sometimes will look and say, our attendance was really down. We didn't have a good week. Maybe your attendance is 180 people normally, and only 140 were there that day. Perhaps what we should do is say, man, 140 people heard the gospel today. Let's hope and pray that it pricked their hearts. And let's hope and pray that those 140 people can reach out to the 40 who weren't here. Uh, I'm reminded of this, and I'll throw it to y'all for any final comments, but I'm reminded of when Jesus healed 10 lepers and only one came back 
and said, thank you. Jesus asked a simple question, where are the nine? All ten were healed. Successfully speaking, if we were going to base that, though, on Jesus based on how many were thankful for it, Jesus was a failure. That's not fair to do. We can't put that into perspective that way. And so I have to look at Jesus and realize if Jesus could be successful, even though he was ridiculed, mocked, and killed, I too can be successful if I just put my head to the ground and work. Y'all have anything else you want to close out with? Well, what you just said triggered a thought about Jonah. I mean, some people might look at Noah and Jonah and you say, who was more successful? Well, you have both men who <laughs> preached the truth. They preached what God wanted them to preach. Jonah, of course, was reluctant to do it, but he said eight words in a sermon, and you got a, all of Nineveh repented. You know, Then you, here you've got Noah, who's laboring for decades and decades and decades, and the only people on the ark was him and his family. So you got eight souls as compared to you know thousands there in Nineveh. Well, who was more successful? Well, the answer is they were both successful because they did what God wanted them to do. And that, like you said, that's the mentality that, that, that every gospel preacher needs to have is this isn't about me. You know, I'm, I'm lifting up Jesus and I'm lifting up the cross and I want people to look to him. And if they're following me and not him, then I've got a problem. And I'm not here for my glory. I'm not here for my success. I'm all here all the labor, all the sermons, all that we do as, as Christians, we do so simply because we are Christians and we are servants and we're doing this to God's glory. So again, I, I think the main emphasis about this success, is it good to have it? Of course it is. But remember, the reason why we can have any success at all is because God is the one who allows it. Therefore, he deserves all the glory. Right. Jameson? Yeah, I was just building off of what Drew said. I, I have... I guess I've discovered by experience that for for preachers specifically, I mean, I'm sure that this is true of others as well, but I, I've discovered for myself and I think preachers in general, maybe the, the temptation that we tend to struggle with the most, I think, is pride. Um, and we tend to uh, perhaps sometimes... You know the results are, are it's it's our doing, um, and really I, I try to remind myself um, on a regular basis that the power is not in me. It's not in my ability. Uh, it's it is in the Word of God. Um, right. The power is in the Word. The Word is what's living. The gospel is God's power to save. And my job is simply to to be the messenger, if you will, to just pass along what God has already said in His Word. Um, and if I do that, then you know God's Word will produce results. Um, it may push people away. It may also, though, may prick, talk, prick hearts and bring people to God. But even when that happens, it's not, you know, that's success, but it's nothing that I can really uh, lay claim to. All that is God's doing. We just pass along the message. Right. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's been a great season. I've enjoyed getting all of these episodes recorded and sitting down with people. I hope and pray that the people that are listening to it, you know, whatever it is you're doing right now, I don't need to know, but whatever it is you're doing, I'm thankful that you are taking the time to Bible study 
to, to Bible study, to, to have a Bible study. And we're going to end the next three weeks, our season of, of season four. That's hard to believe. Season four coming to an end. The year two of the Scatter the Broad Network will come to a close heading into year three. And we have a lot of new shows coming out in 2023. A lot of things to be looking forward to. Uh, I'll highlight one real quick. It's a podcast coming out next year called Meet Me at the Mountain with Wayne Rogers. And that's going to be a podcast and a video podcast where he, who lives uh, in the Sevierville area near the mountains, often will go up there and do stuff. And we said, why don't you record some of the things that you're doing and post those for us. And so that'll be a a special podcast coming out next year. And I'll highlight some more as we continue to move forward. But we're going to close out next three weeks our study on far better than focusing on the church's faults, the church's success, and the church I don't attend. And I'm excited about those guests that I'll have with me Ryan Manning and Daniel Manning. Uh, Ryan and I were co-workers for five years, and Daniel and I were co-workers for five months. Um, And then I I ended up moving to Memphis School of Preaching. So I'll get to sit down with them and talk about the church, and that should be a great discussion, as all of these have been. Uh, I'm thankful to all of the guests that I've had. And remember, as you and I seek to move through life, trying to get to that next life, let's please God now. So our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.